And welcome into this edition, episode number eight of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and to my, I guess to your left, my right, is uh, the Jabari Davis. Uh, some call him Train Davis. Uh, he went by Juice there, but uh, Coach is how my little boy calls him, Coach Jabari. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Glad to be back on the grind, hanging out with you for a few minutes tonight. Uh, very busy man, like yourself, a dad, a coach, father figure, um, you name it, man. Just trying to do my best to help people become successful, and mainly that's the youth. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know you're knocking it out. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in the Knoxville area, when you say Jabari Davis, they remember the early 2000s, the 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 mean the 230 pound tailback. Uh, that just kind of wreaked havoc in the in the southeastern conference uh, there in Knoxville, but really uh, what you've carved out in East Tennessee and really probably the southeast uh, over the last few years, especially post 2018 when you developed uh, your camp, I, I think that's the that's the legacy. But we're going to talk about both of them uh, here today. Uh, of course, uh, we've we've started. Uh, last week was Coach Tony Iruli of of Carson Newman or Carson Newman University. I'm sorry. Uh, and then uh, previously of Maryville College, but we're gonna we're gonna have local legends. We're gonna have former Vols. We're gonna try to get a lot of different uh, cool East Tennessee, you know, people uh, to talk to over the next several months, and hopefully just continue to add on to that. But uh, out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. So let's back up, see how Jabari gets to East Tennessee. Uh, out of Stone Mountain, Georgia, Tucker High School. Uh, I guess just jump right into it. How do you get to Knoxville? Kind of look at your your recruiting process and, and kind of how did it come to be that that you wore the orange and continue to wear the orange? Uh, well, growing up in Georgia, man, you already know I was born and bred a Georgia Bulldog, Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket as a kid, um, watching those football programs thrive in the uh, 90s and early 2000s, you know, seeing – uh, Georgia battled in the SEC and, like I said, Georgia Tech win some good games in the ACC. So when I got to high school, that's when really the whole recruiting thing really happened. Um, started playing football at a young age and uh, really got passionate about it in middle school. That's when I really started noticing that I had some, some talent to work with and some people around me told me, Hey man, you're pretty good at this thing, man. You, if you get serious with it and, and continue to work, you may get an opportunity to play at the next level. So, eighth grade is when I really took it serious and, uh, you know, start playing running back a lot more, um, and focusing on running back as a primary position offensively, and linebacker at defense. And uh, got to high school, waited my turn my freshman year, and um, had a, a lot of buzz coming into high school because in middle school I had broke like high school records in middle school. Uh, I played and in, in six the state games. of Georgia. That's a big deal. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so the middle school that I went to was a, was a high school um, that turned into a middle school. And I broke like the single season rushing record for the high school in six games, ran for like 1200 yards and like 16 touchdowns in six games and uh that drew a lot of uh, attention to me around that area so when i was going to high school i was actually like getting recruited from different high schools that heard about me and uh so i went up you know my local high school that i lived by wasn't a really good football program so um i wanted to go somewhere that had a really good football program really good coaches and uh somewhere that I could uh, go to and, you know, find success as a football player and as a student athlete. So looked around and picked Tucker High School. And from there, that's where everything took off. Uh, really, my, my freshman year, I, you know, I was playing JV. I got moved up after a few games. And uh, sophomore year just took off, you know. Uh, had a really good sophomore year, had a really good junior year. Had a really good senior year. By my junior year, at the end of my junior year, 
uh, that's when a lot of the schools started to hear about me um, and got invited to a lot of camps and uh, ran for the coaches and, and did a lot of combines. And, you know, it was very rare that you saw a back that was 225 pounds at 16 years old, five foot 11 running a four five forty, you know, legit. But I ran a lot of track in high school. I was a two sport athlete. So when I was going to these combines, that's when it kind of blew, you know, that's when I kind of really blew up mm -hmm. uh, because people was like, wow, man, this kid can, you know, this kid actually got a lot of talent. And from there got ranked on some different, uh, radars and next thing I know I was one of the top running backs in the state of Georgia and then moved to one of the top running backs in the country and and uh, offers and letters started coming in like crazy and um, Tennessee got at me late in the process they got at me like the summer of my junior year I came up to Tennessee for a game uh, with my football coaches as a freshman um so we went up to, you know, Knoxville and we saw the atmosphere. I, I, I was blown away then. Then we came and did a football camp my freshman year that summer. So I had already been to Knoxville twice. So was that 97, 98 timing? Yeah, yeah. 97, <laughs> 98 then. In high school, watching Jamal Lewis uh, be from Atlanta, uh, that area, and seeing his success and seeing other guys from the state of Georgia go up to Tennessee and have success really uh, – was really, really big for me uh, leaving the state of Georgia because you know back then leaving the state of Georgia was tough, man. Um, it, it, it's always tough when you're a local hero, for what people call it, and you leave the state uh, because I had already, you know, I, I had been at Georgia my whole entire recruiting process, like every game. You know, I was always at University of Georgia hanging out, but things happen in recruiting. You know, kids go see other places and coaches get fired, coaches get hired and you uh, grow up a little bit and you want to mature and you want to leave uh, your state and just see what else another city has to offer. But somewhere that's close that your parents can come see you playing and your teammates and family. And uh, around 2000 is when Tennessee was looking really good. You know, in the SEC, they had just won a national championship a few years before. Uh, had really good coaches, had a really good team that was competing for a national title again. And it was just the perfect match for me, I felt. And I knew that they needed some help at the running back position. My class actually signed four running backs my class, but they kind of moved us all around in, in different positions. So um, Tennessee just had what I was looking for, on the field, off the field, classroom, uh, the vibe in the city, um, socially, uh, outdoor living, you know, growing up in the city of, in a big city, man, you know, like I never really experienced the outdoor life until I got to Tennessee. So, uh, just checked off every box in the list that I had and it was a really good decision. So you see, I'm I'm back here living now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about you talk good. about the recruiting process. Like, so when you went as a freshman, that was David Cutcliffe's Tennessee offense. No, um, no, no, that course, was no, that was Randy Sanders' Cutcliffe offense. Right? David yeah, left, yes. yeah. David left after the national championship. Right. Correct. And they correct. Promoted so Randy from running back coach to offensive coordinator because Randy called the national championship sure. game. David left and took the old Miss job. So who was, uh, so was Randy your, your primary recruiter? No, my recruiter was Woody McCorvey, who was the running back coach. He had Metro Atlanta and outside of Atlanta in the state of Georgia. And, uh, he was very influential in my recruiting. Um, he, you know, Every coach in the SEC, ACC, or in college football knows who Woody McCorvey is. He's like a godfather. <laughs> uh, one of the first black coaches to uh, get a job at the Alabama staff in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, coach with Gene Stallings at Alabama, won a national championship 
with Alabama in 1992. He was offensive coordinator. Um, won, I think, a national championship or, or won a, a lot of uh, big games at Clemson in the 80s. He coached uh, in the 80s when Clemson had like the refrigerator Perry and a whole bunch of other good guys at Clemson. Just highly respected coach. And, um, you know, when you got a guy like that recruiting you, Coach Travis Henry, Coach Jamal Lewis, Coach, uh, so many great players, legendary players in the SEC. And, uh, you know, when he comes knocking at your door and he's recruiting you and he wants you to be a part of his, his, his room and teach you the skills to improve your game to be the best running back you can be, you start listening and start taking it serious. So he was uh, one of the main reasons that I came to Tennessee. Also, Coach Former recruited me. Um, if you're a really high-profile recruit, the head coach will recruit you as well. So, you know, Coach Former was calling left and right. Woody was calling left and right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how it went, man. So, like, how what was the the pitch? Like, because obviously, I mean, if you're you're in Georgia, you're a fan of Georgia, you're top in the country. Like, was there something that they they said, "Hey, coming to Tennessee, coming to Tennessee offers this." I mean, obviously, Jamal, what he was doing in Baltimore probably was yeah. a, "Hey, he he's doing this," and he was here. Yeah. I mean, how did they pitch that to you? Man, they just really pitch opportunity, and um, you know, they were going to be fair with me. They didn't lie. You know, they because, you know, a lot of these coaches, you know, recruiting is a lot of nonsense a lot of times. (laughs) But, you know, they told me, hey, we're recruiting three or four backs. You fit the mold of what we want or what we want to do. You're going to get a shot to earn a a spot. But, you know, we're not trying to, you know, say that you, you know, that you're going to be the man right then and there, but because you got to earn it. But we do need some backs that can get us to those years back when we had Jamal and when we had Travis Henry. And basically that was it. And just say, hey, come in ready to work. Uh, and, you know, you'll have a shot. So yeah, I guess I guess at that time, Travis Henry was in Denver doing his no, thing. Yeah, Travis was in Buffalo. Oh, he started in Buffalo. Then he went to yeah, Denver. Travis had left because I remember meeting Travis for the first time my senior year. Tra- uh, Jamal was playing for the Ravens my senior year. Travis was a senior because uh, he stayed. Jamal left early. And mm-hmm. Travis Stevens was a backup. So when I got there, I knew Travis Stevens had you know, his opportunity to be the starter. I wasn't trying to come in and take nobody's position. I don't even know the game for real like that. You know, I'm still a freshman. So, but when I came in after Travis Stevens, it was a, uh, it was a race, you know, for the position. So that was the reason I was able to uh, get a lot of opportunity my sophomore year as well, because me and Cedric Houston were like co-starters that year after, uh, Travis left, and Travis had a remarkable senior year. You know, that was the year he was a Playboy All-American. And I really think he had a huge year because he had some true freshmen that was on his heels. You sure. know, that was really good. So, uh, But he taught us a lot, taught me how to practice, taught me a lot about the game mentally, physically, how to take care of my body. So very thankful that I got to sit behind and watch a guy like Travis Stevens have a great uh senior season because I learned so much from the game from him and, and talk about your your time in Knoxville you know I, I took some screenshots just of course uh, my research is very thorough Wikipedia is very helpful yeah uh, things take care of me uh, but the teammates that you you had while you were at Tennessee oh, yeah. uh, just Play some with. names uh, you know your freshman year uh, guys that hit the draft the April oh, of yeah, your yeah, freshman yeah. year John Henderson, Dante Stallworth, Haynesworth, uh, of course, Travis Stevens that we talked about, uh, a lot of great players there. Will Overstreet, which I think uh, you talk about just a oh, tenacious yeah. college player. Uh, Will, man, oh, he yeah, was Overstreet. Overstreet was the man, man. That was, that was like a grown 
I wish he was like a grown ass man <laughs> out there. Him and John Henderson, uh, but blessed to play with some great leaders. You know, one thing about those guys that you mentioned, those guys are under the umbrella of Al Wilson, you know, mm. from those 98 uh, guys. So that's the reason that 2001 team was so special and was pound for pound, probably one of the most dominant teams that we had that had a shot of winning another national title. You know, we came short against Nick Saban's LSU Tigers in 2001, but that team by far was one of the most talented teams Tennessee's ever had uh, since the 98 team and teams in the early 90s and late 80s and, you know, Peyton's era and things like that because we had so many first-rounders that year. Uh, you know, we were loaded. People talk about the Miami Hurricanes 2001 team, and, you know, we were supposed to play them if we would have beat LSU in the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a game for all the ages, man, because on that field, you had probably about 10 first-rounders mm -hmm. on that field. You know, had Ed, you know, that was Ed Reed's senior year. Uh, they, is that – they have Vince – was that Vince Wilfork, Ed Vince Reed? Vince Wilfork, Ed Reed, Andre Johnson. They had a freshman, Sean Taylor. Freshman, <laughs> Sean Taylor. Willis McGahee. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Shockey, uh, Bryant McKinney, uh, Najee Davenport, Frank Gore. Uh, Frank uh, Gore, he just quit playing Andre like a year jo ago. Andre, jo Andre Johnson. Uh, man, <laughs> do you hear all those names I mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I've, I've used them on Madden so, my entire so adult life. So those guys versus Casey Clawson. John Henderson, Albert Hainsworth, Jason Witten, Will Overstreet, Travis Stevens, uh, Jabari Green. Kelly Washington in Kelly, there. You know, Kelly Kelly was a Playboy All-American his freshman year. Ke we had, dude, we had Kelly at the X, Dante at the Z. No, we had Kelly at the X, Dante at the Z, Jason Witten at the tight end. And Travis Stevens and Will Bartholomew, fullback back and tailback with an offensive line that was yeah it crazy had uh, it had good. Chris Scott, Scott Wells or Scott Wells Scott Wells no, 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 right? yeah, Scott Wells Fred Weary uh, Will Offenhusel uh, Michael Munoz uh, man. We got hey, and then the defensive line had a Brayu Franklin. I think that's a name that yeah. gets forgotten about a lot. Abreu he was a Franklin, beast. Yeah, Abreu came in from JUCO, and you know I got to play two years with him. So we had Abreu, we had Henderson, Haynesworth, Teddy Gaines, Teddy Gaines, Dominique Stevenson, uh, Andre. Light. Man, we can go on and on and on. That team right there was was loaded. Man. But uh, but talk about a couple more. So that was that was that was your freshman year, senior. I do have to ask one question about John Henderson. You know what he did in Jacksonville, where the the guy slapped him through the face. Like, did that happen in Knoxville? And who slapped him? I just yeah. I'm just trying to ask. It happened a few times, man. I didn't see it until uh, later on my freshman year. But John had his ways of getting his 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 pregame hype uh, mindset going on. Man, he would get cranked up and. As a 18 year old kid, seeing somebody that big yelling and screaming in the locker room, you get terrified. It's like, and I don't you know. You had Kevin Burnett in there too, somewhere. Yeah, Kevin Burnett. I forget all about KB. Yeah, we had Kevin Burnett. Yeah, but John, John was the man. You know, John used to always remind us, hey, I could have left, went to the NFL, I came back. You know, John had just won the Allen Trophy. He gave up millions of dollars to come back and try to win a national championship. So that was, you know, that, that was a different type of discipline and respect that he had for the University of Tennessee. And he always reminded us of that when, we, you know, when we were not playing up to the expectations that Tennessee needed to play, he would get on our butt about that. And, um, you know, when you got somebody that big in your face, grabbing your face mask and yelling at you, it's a whole different uh, fear. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's funny. 
it's funny because you talked about him being under the the Al Wilson umbrella, right? But yeah. there was times that that people talked about, you know, discipline on the team in the in the late 90s and they would the comment was made, "Yeah, we respected coach Fulmer. Yeah, we were we were respectful of Sarge and and coach Chavis, right? But they were scared to death of Al Wilson. <laughs> they did not yeah. want to upset well, Al you Wilson. Know, those, those great teams, man, have those guys where they are, you know, the head coaches on the field. You know, you got to have those respected leaders um, that will give everything in their body uh, to win and to get the best out of everybody else on the team. So Al is just, you know, I I talked to Brad Lampley, uh, who was a part of those 90 teams that played with uh, Peyton, and he spoke at one of my events. He said Al Wilson is by far one of the greatest leaders he's ever been around in sports, in business, and in life. He said, you know, he's been around some great leaders. And he said he's never seen anybody like Al Wilson before in all of those different phases of life. He said he his words hit your soul, man. And, <laughs> you know, you just don't have – guys like that that's the reason i tell tennessee fans you can't compare the guys now to the guys that we were blessed and honored to have it's only one peyton manning it's only one al wilson it's only one jamal lewis it's only one eric berry and the guys before that you know and you know those guys were different you know those those the generational type players and to put people in those categories is just too much pressure you know to live under that it's just like being right. Peyton Manning's son or you know which he can sling the, it the, I saw the, him at the Pro Bowl he can yeah, sling it you know he can sling it but you know you know LeBron James Jr you know it's so much pressure that these players have to live under when you play that position for the for this university or just mm-hmm. you know for any other school or any other team that you go to and you have somebody that really changed the way the game was played and we do that too many times and that's something that we have to stop yeah yeah i think you know the goat that is a that's a that's a relative question right i think it's about yeah. the time you play in the game that the rules exactly. that you play under all those things but uh but jabari you had a had a really really nice career at the university of tennessee uh, i think i think shows 22 touchdowns uh just north of 1230 something yards there uh nice career there uh what in that that four-year span got touches in all four years uh what uh what what's your favorite memory uh you know uh, of your time at tennessee um like I said, my freshman year playing with some amazing teammates. Um, you know, a lot of guys that taught me a lot about football and in life, um, leadership, accountability, discipline, things that I still use today as a as a man, father. Um, also, those big wins, uh, being 3-1 and one versus Florida, being 3-1 and one versus Alabama, uh, being in those locker rooms, singing with my teammates, celebrating with my teammates, being on those airplane rides, coming back from Gainesville, coming back from Tuscaloosa, you know, having fun, singing in the plane, you know, coming back to Neyland, Tyson McGee, seeing all the fan brace, embrace you with cheers and hugs and uh, love. Uh, now, were but, you part of the, the, the group that was undefeated in the Swamp, 2-0 in the Swamp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in your was, freshman year, you me. played Florida late, right? Because of 9-11. Yeah, my freshman year, yeah. My freshman year was the 9-11 uh, Florida uh, reschedule. So we was able to, uh, you know, that game was 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 an emotional, very emotional game because of the time and a miracle. You know, we were all dealing with, with 9-11 and, you know, everything changed in, in our life and the world. Uh, 9-11 and you remember that weekend 9-11 happened remember they canceled every sport 
It was no games. They made everybody go home, be with their family. And that's something that we had to do as well. So um, so that game meant a lot different. You know, it was a game that, you know, we did a lot of uh, special tributes to our um, to our police force um, all over the country, and especially New York and our soldiers and veterans all over the country. So it was very special, that, that game, and very special to be in a position to be – competing for a champ for a national championship as well because that game national championship ties were on state that game so it was it was th the biggest game probably tennessee has had since the 98 national championship game like no other game was as big as the lsu tennessee game 2001 and and you know talk about that florida game there uh, if I, if memory serves me well, which it, it typically I'm decent at Tennessee history, uh, that was the first uh, retiring of Steve Spurrier that Tennessee was able yeah, to do. Yeah, they yeah. did that in Florida, and then when he was at South Carolina, we were his last uh, loss there yeah. as well. So. Yeah. yeah, that was his last game. Then he was coaching for the Redskins. But, uh, you know, that game, complimenting Travis Stevens, I scored two touchdowns. Uh, when we got inside the 20. Then 2003, I was the MVP of the Florida game. Uh, had a whole bunch of tough runs in that game. And some of my best runs and trucks and stiff arms and doing all of that crazy stuff came from the Florida uh, Gators. So that's the reason a lot of the fans called me Gator Killer because mm -hmm. I was always doing some damage to a lot of the Florida Gators. So, you know, one thing about me I always like to say, you know, playing at the University of Tennessee, you know, I think you're rated from what you do on with at you know on the big stage, sure, and in the big games. That's how I measure a lot of people's success as a team. And one thing with our teams and even myself, we always showed up in the big games. You know, we always showed up in the big games. You know, I don't have a huge number of stats you know like i said i was always running back by committee i could have easily transferred and went to a different school and been a 1500 yard rusher a 2000 yard rusher but i knew i was gonna split carries with two or three other guys and you know i was gonna get seven eight carries at best or sometimes 10 or 12 but i made the best out of my carries i didn't count my carries i made the best out of them and, uh, and i think i think it's a different so time thing, right yeah 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 so one thing about me when you cut the film on and you look at number 34 you're gonna see him moving the chains and you're gonna see him making some big plays you know uh, and you had hops for a big guy right yeah, he was too, an over yeah. the top guy yeah you know i always did that because i grew up watching walter payton and uh watching walter payton do that um, I, you know, I had that pure Peyton VHS tape as a kid and I would run and stack pillows on top of my bed and, uh, I would have my football and I would try to jump over them. And, uh, so that play that we put in, in goal line situation, you know, that's what we had to do. And we practiced doing that. And I, I always thought it was fun doing that. And, you know, I just had in my head, I won't be denied. I won't be stopped. And ever since I played at UT, I mean, we haven't – I made it my business to get in the end zone. Like, if you cut the <laughs> film on and watch me, I never – inside the 20, I was like 30 – I think I was like 12 for 12, man, inside the 20. Like, it was no stopping me. Um, Just ain't running out of bounds. And sometimes, you know, I, I leaped over the top. It wasn't there. So I had to twist and turn my body in different angles. Sometimes I got the ball and it was for, you know, elite play. And I cut and went the other direction because it seemed, you know, I saw the linebackers coming over the top. I just knew, you know, we had to finish drives. And I was like, man, it is my duty to put this ball in the end zone. Uh, my teammates are counting on me. Coaches are counting on me. And that's just the type of pride I had. Well, and you played in a in a time nowadays. You know the the linebackers can't climb the offensive and defensive lines back and jump 
nah. you played where you could go nose you to nose over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And it was no such thing as targeting. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, everybody was leading by their helmet and the crown. And um, to, if you had a concussion, you set out for one play and you went back in there. <laughs> Keep it going. No, I mean, yeah, it wasn't no. It's protocol. like varsity blues. It's yeah, like varsity it wasn't no blues. <laughs> it was a protocol. That's that's just called a bell, a bell ringer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. but uh, yeah, the varsity blues. It's a uh, oh, Bo, Billy Bob's got to have true yeah. false. His man exactly. holds some fingers. True. But uh, but talk about uh, so again post football. So so great career, great teammates. Uh, and again, um, you know, I, I think post football, I, I continue to say this, and again, I've, I'm seeing it firsthand now. But your impact to the community, your impact to young players—it's one thing to you know have a great career and then just be like, look, look at this shelf. I've got all this stuff that I can kind of hold myself to, which again, that's well respected and 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 worth talking about. But the things you're doing post. Uh, with the young players, I think you're you're really kind of helping some of these young Vols uh, in this NIL game, being able to kind of help um, kind of promote themselves and find some NIL stuff going. Uh, but uh, I guess moving forward to your post uh, post football days, what did how did that kind of materialize into the the Legends of Tennessee camp? Oh man, when I first moved back up here, you know, in 2010, uh, I had to finish school. And uh, I got into coaching. I uh, started working at the Episcopal School of Knoxville as a assistant uh, athletic director and head coach. First time ever working with kids in 2010. They kind of just made me the head coach. So I had to learn on the job. I'm learning just how to communicate with kids and learning how to uh, coach the game of football. I knew football, but I didn't know how to really coach it. Sure. You know, but I I didn't have any experience. I didn't go to any clinics. I just learned on the job, man, of just uh, being around young kids. I was always uh, a guy that loved being around kids and loved teaching and, and loved giving back. So it kind of clicked and I kind of, you know, found, you know, found my passion. Uh, I always say that, you know, your calling and your passion will will, will call you. And, and when it calls you, you got to pick up. Uh, because God will put you in position as long as you're doing the right thing and, and, and doing it his way. Uh, so that's what happened, man. I kind of fell into it. Never thought about coaching before I moved back. Just wanted to finish school and get into some business doing something. And since 2010, man, it's been nonstop. Uh, always trying to do stuff in the community, always doing camps um, and trying to educate inspire and motivate kids to use the game of football to be successful in all phases of life. So uh, from my coaching experience in 2010 led me to other coaching opportunities, you know, work with Nike uh, training camp, did a lot of stuff with them over the last couple of years, teaching me about, you know, uh, the process of recruiting with families from there. Uh, got a, and I coached at Fullerton for, for a year. I uh, coached at Powell for a little bit. Uh, then after those high, high school opportunities kind of led me into the youth. Um, the reason I got into youth football is because my kids started playing uh, for Maryville in 2015. And that was Coach uh, Coach Charlie's first year. And, uh, you know, I was a typical dad just sitting on the bleachers watching. But was that coach, was that was Smitty? Was that was Smitty no, 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 the no, head no, guy? No, no, Smitty, no. So check this out. 2015 was my first year coaching Little Ribs, and Coach Charlie was the head coach. The reason he was the head coach is because Coach Hunt had left, and uh, Coach Hunt had coached the Little Ribs for years, like for like ten years, mm. ten or twelve years um, as the head coach. So Coach Charlie, that was his first year. And a lot of the other coaches had kind of backed out um, doing it. So, you know, I had a lot of knowledge and I wanted to help out. And uh, I just, you know, I, I saw them struggling out there. And so I just wanted to just give them my support. And I ended up 
becoming a full-time coach over the last seven years, seven, eight years, man. So that's how I got involved with the Little Rebs. But the Legends of Tennessee thing started actually working with Coach Former um, doing his camps that he had in Gatlinburg. Coach Former had a camp called the Philip Former Hall of Fame camp. And I ran that camp for him for two years. Um, Coach Former would drive by and see me working with kids in the community and knew I had a good relationship with the Maryville youth. So I was always sending a lot of the players from Maryville to the camp. And uh, I would lead the drills and lead the camp and uh, was in charge of getting some of the guys back around to coach, coach the camp, the former players and stuff like that. And when Coach Former got the athletic directing job to, to work with Coach Pruitt and university back in 2018, uh, that's 2017, that's when I decided to continue to do stuff like that, but, you know, go at it in a different direction. And uh, I was sitting in the bed one day, man, trying to figure out uh, my summer schedule because uh, I was going to go to a few cities and do some things like I always been doing, but I wanted to do something really with all the fellows. And, uh, you know, I was just brainstorming and said, hey, let's, let's it should, should it be called a VFL legend camp or Vol for Life camp or whatever. And it's Legends of Tennessee stuck, and that's how it all took place. And our first camp was in 2018. That was our first one we did in Sevierville. Had a great turnout, over 100 plus kids. Um, no, hardly no sponsors, just hustling and just, you know, just, just getting people on board. Then the next year, uh, we, we ventured out to, uh, you know, Memphis and, um, different cities, you know, Tri-Cities area, Nashville. Then 2020, uh, we had a full camp schedule of going to like eight different cities, but unfortunately we had to shut down because of uh, COVID. So we only did like three camps that year, but really had a great successful year uh, during the pan pandemic. Uh, still had a really good camp in July because all the sports camps were canceled and our camp was the only thing for kids to do. So we had to do a whole COVID, COVID protocol camp where we had masks, temperature check-in. Yeah, so I remember watching that on, on Facebook and you guys had like, uh, you had yeah. coaches out there that all they did was like sanitize the the footballs yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yep. And I had, uh, we had to uh, clean like all the balls before we uh, switched them. We had social distancing in the lines. You had to wear a mask and registration. Then you could take your mask off. Coaches had to coach in a mask in 80 <laughs> degree heat. <laughs> so we had to coach in a mask. Parents had to be six feet apart in the on the field, on the sidelines. Uh, during our warm-up, everything had to be stationary so we couldn't have kids in lines like that. Kids had to bring their own water bottle. It was crazy. <laughs> but we still ended up doing it and gave the kids a great summer. And from there, man, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So uh, yeah, this year... We were able to take take part in the Sevierville camp. Now, we, we, we had on the docket we were going to come to volunteer. You did a, a ton of cities last year yeah. i think this year's going to be very much in line but yeah so uh, that's we, we were in tune with the the volunteer camp and then all of a sudden you dropped the three-day deal in severeville and that just yeah just holds yeah us. the three day is always our biggest one that's the one where we get all the guys to come back and uh help out with that one so we start off camp season in about two weeks you know we'll be in jackson tennessee jackson tennessee is, is one of our biggest camps that we have our one day camp we already got 140 kids signed up for that that's gonna be absolute crazy uh we'll be going to dyersburg this year which is a new city for us and um we already have a ton of support and a ton of kids signed up for that we try to add at least two new cities a year and we try to go to the cities where we have the most support sure. and some of the cities that are underserved and need something fun and exciting for those kids to look forward to doing and those families. So 
um, working with the young guys. The current guys have been a blessing with NIL, uh, being able to mentor those guys and to be around those guys and teach those guys about giving back and uh, teach them about how important their uh, platform is to uh, be able to be around these kids and, and love on these kids and help these kids, uh, not only in the game of football, but in life and in school and in support. Because uh, a lot of these kids will never get those opportunities to go to a game or to uh, be around a a very, you know, high-profile individual in this state. And just one encounter with that kid could change that kid's life. You know, so, can make so the I, kid. I can speak to – so very – I mean, point blank to your point. Uh, last year, Jalen Hyatt was at the uh, – was at the Sevierville camp. Uh, mm-hmm. He signed the little poster that that my my boy got uh, from the camp. Alabama game this year. So Laura and I went to the game. We enjoyed all that. And then we get home. My little boy, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He said, he said, Daddy. He said, that's who scored five touchdowns tonight. And his, I'm like, that's yeah. he made a connection that he wouldn't have had had he not enjoyed your yeah. camp. He's got a piece of that. You know, he got a chance to be around Jalen Hyatt. He's got a chance to get a signature uh, to go on his wall. So, hey, man, <laughs> I get, I met Jalen Hyatt. I met Joe Milton, things like that. Man, those are lifelong memories oh, that man. he'll always think of when he gets to be a teenager and to be older. Like, hey, you know, I got an opportunity to be around those guys, work with those guys, those guys maybe believe that I could be great at doing this thing. And that's the same thing that inspired me as a young athlete, you know, uh, having those Atlanta Falcons and those college football guys, going to those camps, meeting those guys and seeing what they do. And uh, those guys giving me talks about, hey, you know, you can do this too. Takes Mm -hmm. a lot of hard work, discipline and dedication, but you can do it, man. Don't let nobody stop you. Keep working. Believe in yourself. Don't get caught up in the he say, she say. Mm -hmm. Don't get caught up in what nobody else is saying and speaking down on you, man. You can do it because I was in your shoes, too. I was small. I was, you know, I wasn't that fast. I wasn't that athletic, but I kept working. I didn't believe Mm -hmm. what nobody else was saying. I just got to myself and kept praying and kept working. Right. Uh, So, Numbers are pretty staggering since 2018. Again, put the asterisks on the COVID year. Uh, that that year could have had more impact. Uh, yeah. But since 2018, numbers of four, possibly 5,000 kids impacted uh, by the Legends of Tennessee camp. And that's that's just a facet of, of what you do in our community. There's also uh, talk about the reading initiative that started this year. Yeah. But there's also, I love the moniker, the huddle, uh, the, yes. the having <laughs> undeniable dedication Discipline, leadership every day. I think, I mean, that encapsulates what you got to do. Yes, sir. So we wanted to uh, be able to uh, be versatile and and work with young minds on and off the field a lot more. We saw a lot of the kids struggling with reading post-COVID. A lot of the test scores have been down in Knox County. And uh, a lot of the schools need more support. You know, it takes a village to help a young kid reach his potential. And we wanted to be able to uh, maximize the current players' platforms and get them in the classrooms and educate the kids on the importance of reading and why you should read four to five times a day, you know, and what you gain from reading. And, uh, you know, and if you read, you know, you can achieve in everything that you do, you know, in life. And when the teachers say it, it may hit a little different because they see a little, see them every day. But when they hear it from one of their heroes, it's going to plant a different seed in that kid's mind. You know, he's going to make them go a little harder when they hear it from people that they really look up to, that they dream of being in their backyard. It hits you totally different. And that's what, we wanted to let the school teachers know that we want to be in this with you, uh, be supportive. We will come once a week 
and volunteer and be a teacher's assistant to help push these kids, motivate these kids into achieving greatness in reading and in their academics. And uh, in three weeks, we already see kids already improving um, in their test scores. I mean, in their grades Mm -hmm. and in their studying habits, uh, just by giving them that one-on-one attention and being in those classrooms and being a part of those small groups and, and just, you know, making them, making them feel like they're a part of the family. Uh, with the with the huddle, also we saw that the youth were struggling with mental health. Um, the suicide rate has gotten really crazy in the state of Tennessee with teenagers, and the only way to fix that is to get people uh, like these, you know, like the most influential people in this state, which are the Tennessee football players. You know, the Tennessee football players are more popular than the Tennessee Titans. You know, right. and if you can get and people don't a Sports figures, Billy Graham said a football coach can change more lives and save more lives than the average person can do in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that's just reality. And if you can get those the right coaches and the right athletes to get into that classroom and to tell these kids about, you know, reaching out for help and it's okay to not be okay. Um, it's okay if you're not feeling right, if you're feeling sad, to reach out for help um, because, you know, we go through those same emotions mm-hmm. all the time. So we're just very transparent with the kids and let them know we're just like you. Don't ever think that you're dealing with these issues alone. You're okay. And uh, we just teach them different ways that they can cope, you know. Uh, so we have different breakout sessions. Um, I speak for 20 minutes on uh, on suicide prevention and uh, self-esteem. Uh, just teaching kids how to wake up with a great routine to believe in themselves, to uh, push themselves, to motivate themselves, to be great. You know, wake up in the morning uh, already operating in your greatness. You know, make up your bed. Be committed to doing something done that you've never done before. Go to school, sit in the front row, raise your hands, ask questions, sit around the right people that want to uh, do good things in, in class. And we have another guy that speaks about social media, safety do's and don'ts, because a lot of the problems come from social media sure. with a lot of these kids. So uh, teaching them how to monitor their social media pages. One thing is parents, you know, we could tell kids don't do it, but they still find a way to access some of these phones and things like that. And it's very dangerous. So we just want to put together a safety plan for these kids to let them know if somebody's bullying you, if somebody's threatening you, if somebody's saying things to you that are not nice or not kid-like. You need to let somebody know what's going on. You know, um, you need to stay away from these sites, you know, in particular. You need to uh, be aware there. There is a lot of people uh, creating fake pages uh, trying to... Uh, trying to, you know, potentially get you to do something that you have no business doing. Sure. You know, and be aware of that. And your parents need to be aware of that. And you need to communicate with that. And you need to let people know you're not going to get in trouble. Okay. We want to protect you. We want to help you. And we have another uh, coach that speaks on just on you know how to manifest different things in life and school sports finding peace finding balance um and just giving the kids a good safety plan man because you're in middle school you're in elementary school um and and, and a lot of times it's, it's it's a lot of things thrown at you as a teenager it's almost like driving a car with no gps you know so we just want to be that gps mm-hmm. to, to help kids help figure things out you know, and when they have a problem, okay, this is what I need to do when I encounter this problem. When I'm dealing with this uh, part of my um, emotions, this is what I need to do to help fix this. If I need help doing this, I'm going to call this person. If I'm feeling down and depressed, not feeling, okay, I'm going to reach out to this person to get some help. And just that's giving them a little, little infrastructure there. Yeah, just give them a little infrastructure and being transparent. When kids know that you care, and you let them speak and you don't judge them for anything and you let them know, hey, that's okay. You know, 
they will open up to you and you be, you know and you will start to see a change in a different kid so that's what we're doing we're just being transparent with them let them know we were the same way we struggled we quit we gave up we made a lot of mistakes we didn't have everything figured out right but guess what i kept fighting mm -hmm. i didn't give up i didn't harm my body i didn't uh hang around the wrong crowd. I got around my coaches. I got around my teachers. I got around my pastor. I got around my elders. I got around great people in the community that motivated me to do better. And that's the reason I was able to get to the level that I was able to get to. Well, coach Shabari. And I, I think, uh, I think the climb's still going, man. I, I think yeah. just your impact, you're, you're, uh, you're bringing people with you. Uh, and I think that's, Thank that's, you, uh, that's, that's what you gotta do. You, you gotta can... help. You know, yeah. we all, you know, we all have been called to serve, man. We're all servers. You know, God created us to help one another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and 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 don't let your people fall down by the wayside, man. If you got some way to help somebody, help them. I, I agree, hundred percent. But Coach Jabari, I know you've uh, you've given of your time, and I I've got like uh, uh, two real just funny questions, and then we're going to talk about the fundraiser uh, that's going on here in just a second. I know the seats are limited, but we'll go ahead and talk through it. Uh, two things: one, in the world of NIL, you know that's now. It wasn't there when Coach Jabari or when Jabari Davis Juice was uh, uh, kind of thundering through Neyland Stadium. If you were to have NIL. Uh, aspirations uh would you would you kind of look at the juice path or would you look at the train path like where where would you be looking there probably out probably a little bit of both i would get, <laughs> get it all right some, uh, yeah i would probably get with some beverage companies <laughs> in knoxville and also get into the uh some um companies that you know deal with the railroad yeah, like, type stuff yeah. man yes yeah, so i will put me a package together uh i'll be endorsing different uh trucking companies train companies juice companies <laughs> i'm surprised as as diverse as peyton is in his advertising abilities that he hasn't started his own nil stuff just uh because i mean he's in insurance he's in pizza yeah. he's, he's everywhere but yeah, uh, coach, you know, Payton, yeah, Peyton has been a been a mentor for uh, a lot of us uh, that are exploring our post career uh, business ventures and opportunities and organizations and platforms. So to see him breaking so many different walls and uh, and, and and consistently doing so much stuff insurance hosting saturday night live hosting uh country music awards uh you know we all think Peyton would be a great politician <laughs> uh, a great business you know a, a a manager of a franchise of the nfl team or an owner of a franchise and he just shows you that hey football is just the beginning you know there's so much more that you can do with your platform as a former University of Tennessee player. Speaking about former, well, former, current, or what have you, uh, the name Jabari's been all – there's been multiple through the, the lineage of Tennessee football. Uh, where do you put yourself in the ranking of the best Jabari's to play at Tennessee? We've got one uh, sitting there in the <laughs> running back room right now. Uh, like I said, man, one, it was only. <laughs> I'm definitely the coolest with the most swag, uh, <laughs> but I respect the other Jabari's. You know, Jabari Grib was a great teammate. Um, and one of the best football players, one of the uh, fastest guys I've ever seen play the game of football, and I still communicate with him. We actually hung out uh, two years ago. He brought his son to a football camp. He's living in Nashville now. And he yeah. does he does a podcast, and he does some ESPN stuff in Canada, uh, ESPN Canada. So he does some stuff, I think, for the CFL, but he's doing very well. And Jabari Small will be working with us uh, this year with the Legends of Tennessee organization. So he'll be traveling with us, working some camps, doing some events that we uh, have set up 
this spring. So uh, you're right, man. That name Jabari definitely is uh, laying some foundation in Vol Nation. And every one of them, you know, one of us have been very, you know, instrumental in winning some games. Yeah. Uh, you know, from Jabari Greer, his his defensive plays and interceptions and big tackles to, you know, my games and my runs to small, his versatility and him being able to uh, do a lot of things, uh, not just running the football, but in the passing game and uh, really uh, living up to the name of Jabari uh, these last couple of years. So I really want to see him go out with a bang his senior year. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the the ones whose name uh, the Jabari fits, but the the small he's anything but. But uh, yeah, but coach, <laughs> uh, really talking about uh, you know we've we've scanned the gamut. We've went from basically the late nineties to now. Uh, this this I think upcoming weekend you've got sips and cigars. Uh, this weekend yes, fundraiser sir. for your camp and stuff. A great event there, honestly. Uh, Limited tickets available, but tell us what that's yeah. what that's all about. Well, Sips and Cigars is a uh, is our charity fundraiser. If you're familiar with any uh, nonprofit organization, they always have that one charity fundraiser that they do every year. And this is ours. It will uh, it's our fundraiser that gives us a kickstart to all of our 2023 programs. Uh, like I told you guys, we have multiple programs. We started off just as a football camp program, but now, I mean, as a football camp organization, but now we have a reading program. Now we have a youth mental health program, which is the huddle. And we'll be doing other things in the community as well. Um, in order for us to travel and to bring these camps and to bring these programs to different communities and classrooms and schools, um, it takes, um, revenue you know you gotta travel you gotta um get hotels you gotta, gotta eat yeah. you gotta eat you gotta have insurance you gotta pay your staff you gotta pay my social media people my website people my rental car people and things like that so it funds everything that we do and it also helps supports other local nonprofits in those areas and it also helps supports uh, financial assistance to a lot of the families that uh, email us that may need help getting their kids in the camp. You know, we always uh, we always have a special place in our heart for those underserved communities, those low income uh, areas, those families that have multiple children, uh, those single mothers, single fathers uh, that maybe are having a rough time getting on their feet right now, lost a job, trying to rebound from COVID or something going on in life. And we never turn, turn those people away because, you know, you are a valuable person in our eyes and we want to be able to help your children. So in order for us to do these different types of things, that's where these uh, fundraisers come into handy and they help us raise the funds where we can be servers and community leaders and influential VFLs all over the state of Tennessee, traveling to at least 15 to 16 different cities and being able to get as many kids as we can in the camp and feed these kids, give them great um, swag bags, you know, how we get down, man, posters, mm -hmm. autograph posters, all that type of stuff, and being able to... Uh, uh, give the current players an opportunity to make a little money with NIL and in a positive limelight, you know, by working with the youth. So everything goes towards um, our brand, the players, the families, the children. And without these different types of e events, financially, we can't do it. So that's the reason we have this event. And uh, last Are year we raised about 20 yeah, we have about twenty, about fifteen tickets left, man. All of our VIP tables have sold out. Um, our VIP tables are our bigger companies. Um, you know, VIP tables come with some extra UT uh, collectibles, and we have a different bar 
for our VIP um, admission people from the general admission. And um, you get some different benefits and you get a private autograph signing uh, with some of the current and uh, former players an hour before we start, get to uh, chat and mix and mingle for a little bit and uh, bring a lot more items to be autographed than general admission people. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a outstanding night this Friday night, man. We're looking at hosting probably around 250 people. And uh, we got a lot of cool auction items available. Uh, you saw my Facebook, man. We got some stuff. We got some Jaden Hyatt signed stuff, some Coach Hypo mm-hmm. signed stuff, some team footballs, Tennessee ping pong boards. Do you, um, got, the, uh, got, some, do you got the dark mode cigars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the dark mode cigars. Uh, we ordered 500 more cigars uh for the event we got uh some a ton man i can't even think about it man we got all type of crazy stuff man all type of crazy stuff so is a is a good way for those remaining tickets to get sold if that's something that interests somebody that's watching this video uh legends of tennessee.org go to go to tennessee.org and go to events and um hurry up and get a ticket like i said i will give it to thursday It'll be sold out. It'll be sold so, out. Yeah. By the time I by the time I get done posting um some more about the event, it'll be sold out. So uh we st- we'll have also we're doing a awards um part of the uh, event dedicated to the office alignment. So we're we're giving out awards to the 2022 office alignment. Um, as okay. a as a running yeah as a running back, you know your offensive line is is everything to you. And this season has been a outstanding season for the offense. They broke a few records offensively. Um, Hendon couldn't have done it without the offensive line. Sure, Jalen couldn't have done it without the offensive line. You know we hear about all their success and all their awards that they're getting, but. These offensive linemen need to be recognized and saluted for their great accomplishment on and off the field this season. So we have individual awards made out for all the guys, and we will call them up. We will uh, say something nice about them and and feed them really good, get them a nice nice steak and baked potato, maybe sneak them a little shot of whiskey. Oh, I, I was going to say the offensive the line. You uh, honestly just being able to keep uh, keep the uh, the pace that uh, that they yeah. did in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two. That would have been enough to get an award for me. Hold on one second. Hold on, man. I don't know. All what right. Uh, let me see. Okay, there we go. All right, coach. I think. Uh, I think that's that's uh, it's just trying to tell us. It's trying to tell us I've been talking too long. But man, I couldn't uh, I couldn't have dreamed <laughs> of a greater interview. You you knocked it out again. Learned a lot of things just about you as a as a player as a coach uh, that that a lot of people probably didn't know. But I think more importantly, uh, we know what the future holds and and what's available uh, via your group legendsoftennessee.org. Uh, and then what events are in, in the future. Again, follow these mm-hmm. guys on uh, Legends of Tennessee Camp on Facebook. I think that – are you guys Instagram? Are you Twitter? Uh, yeah, yeah, any yeah. Of those? We're on all of that, man. Legends you got of Tennessee. Uh, I don't have a – man. <laughs> <laughs> now, we do have a guy. I refuse to create a TikTok, but we do have a guy that is going to be um, – promoting our stuff on his tiktok oh cool because man it's it's no way i can manage all of those social media sites we have a marketing girl that does our instagram and our uh twitter Mm -hmm. but you know we're gonna get on youtube and do all that stuff too man it's just it's 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 so much now man like you can't do all that stuff by yourself right and and none of it crosses over anymore yeah it's it's crazy man like you got to get on this you got to get on that you got to do this you got to do that and over the last two years of meeting with marketing 
uh, businesses, they all say Twitter is is everything now. Twitter can take you to the next level if you know how to use it the right way. Yeah, I, ain't, I mean I ain't Twitter, that part that, out. Twitter, yet. TikTok, 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 not Twitter. Oh sure. TikTok, oh yeah. yeah, I thought about cutting these shows into about three minute segments. I'll be honest. Yeah. With you. my buddy um, is a comedian, and he was uh, doing, doing some stuff on Facebook, and he started. You know, he needed to build a following, so he was doing like the little Twitter stuff where you know he'll see a topic something crazy going on in the world and he'll do his little video where he, you know he'll put his face in the screen and say a little joke man he grew to like 500,000 followers in a year on TikTok and now when he does his comedy shows people know who he like he's getting more ticket sales from his Twitter I mean from his TikTok page Maybe motivating me, Coach, but uh, <laughs> uh, I know that's that's a shocker. But uh, but again, uh, Coach Jabari, like I said, I'm I'm sorry we're we're late into the evening here, uh, but I appreciate the time talking with me again, teaching me a lot about about how you've you've developed and and how uh, right now you're serving this uh, East Tennessee and really really probably the Southeast uh, with yeah. your camp and, and development opportunities. So thanks so much for coming. Thank on. you, man. I appreciate it, man. I'll see hey. you. I'll see you this week sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. So I can for you, I can say go Vols. I can say go Rebels. We can say a lot of stuff. But coach, uh, until next time, we'll see you later. And uh as always, Ryan Dalton. All right, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. It was fun. Talk to you later. All right, see ya.